Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of The Shift Podcast, hosted by me, Alex Price. This week, we will be joined by two comedians, two good friends, uh, Kyle Kinane and Ryan Singer. Uh, we were all happened to be in Louisville the same weekend, um, and we all decided to get together in my hotel room and have some wacky fun. Not really, we just kind of stayed in there and had a chit-chat uh, and avoided the 100-degree heat. Uh, it was really gross, so uh, enjoy the podcast, but before we do that, make sure you're checking out my shows. I've got so many great shows coming up, so if you're in the area, uh, come check them out. I will be in Columbus, Ohio at the Columbus Funny Bone, November 18th and 19th, opening up for my good friend Noel Miller. I believe we have four shows, so definitely come check those out. Also, if you're a Yinzer and in the Pittsburgh area, I will be at the Pittsburgh Improv December 9th, 10th, and 11th with the homies Ian Finance and David Tell. So check that out. Check out some more of my dates at uh, Instagram at Illuminati HR Rep, uh, Illuminati underscore HR underscore Rep, uh, because I'm an idiot and that's what my Instagram handle is. So. Until then, enjoy this fantastic episode with some straight-up goof-em-ups from some of my favorite comics. And, again, follow your dreams, fucko. I love you. Welcome to today's episode of The Shift. We have two special guests today, which is crazy. Normally we only have one, but we have two, and I couldn't say no to either one of them. Uh, today we are joined by comedians Kyle Kinane and Ryan Singer. Hello, fellas. How are you? Hi, Hi, Alex. Hi. Hi. <laughs> how, how are you, Alex? The Shift. Great. I have... <laughs> I have, <laughs> that was such a pro intro. That was Thank like you. a, you're like doing it for real. Yeah, well, I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> it's fun having two of my uh, comedic friends and heroes in my hotel room, uh, surrounded by. Let's uh, let's stop yeah, right man. there. People don't need to know the rest of this information. No, they, you got that medicated details. gold bond over there. I got the same thing in my room, but I flew, so I had to get the little. Baby oh bond. my oh, god! Yeah, I, I remember drove. the first. It's a hundred degrees outside right it's now. So bad. You gotta dust up. It is so bad. I remember the first time I discovered Gold Bond. Buddy. In college, a buddy of mine said, you need to shave and then apply. And I was like, you're crazy. And he goes, trust me. So I did it. And then Yahtzee. For your undercarriage, shave and apply? Yeah. I'm not shaving anything. I'm just, I'm just dusting my munchkins, man. Well, I'm telling you, if you want, an, if you want that extra added just tingle, my, tingle. I'm just breading my hush puppies. You know, <laughs> oh, the tingle, yeah, the tingle, yeah, for get sure. Get the tingle, you know, send the street cleaners out there <laughs> I, first before you... I, I'm sorry, Alex, was there more to the introduction? <laughs> no, this just no, went this totally is, off the rails. This is, good. this is fine. Uh, no, I mean, for those, uh, we are uh, currently in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, it is uh, fucking 100 degrees outside. Mm -hmm. 
even the lobby of the hotel when I went to go get Ryan uh, was extremely balmy. Yeah. So, yeah, powder is a must today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's such a good use of the word balmy. I've never been able to slide it in. That's great. That's what it means, right? I feel like it's a compliment. Oh, it's so balmy out. <laughs> but you said it as a negative. It is a negative. But like, 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 like a backhanded compliment. Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. It's a little warm in here. Oh, it's, it's balmy. It's fine. Like you're complimenting like just the uh, like it, just the atmosphere and the weather. Yeah. Is that what you mean? I thought balmy is nice. I oh, you mean like, like it's a nice condition, like something you want, like a like a pro. Like oh, you want to check out this condo? It's a great area. It's beautiful. It's lush with foliage. It's balmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right by the beach. That's what I thought. I feel like balmy means like it feels like there's a small layer of slime all over your body, like a like a balm. Like oh, Santa that's where you went with it. A, that's that's how I always interpreted the, yeah. the word. Well, that's where I get worried. Like if you do too much powder, and it just turns into like a paste. Oh yeah. So you got to make you sure got... it's a it's a light dusting. It's a real beignet's worth. <laughs> you don't want to. You do just too turn much. your legs cracks into like you know your fucking spackling drywall. Yeah, it's like you're making a uh, paper mache. It's like you're making a pinata oh, down there. God. Well, hell yeah, boys. <laughs> Nut talk. Uh, yeah, nut talk. That's, Sorry. That, that'll be the new one. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but today, I mean, uh, we were talking about uh, your old jobs before you guys, you know, kind of went full tier with stand-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and also what it was like to just say, fuck it and go for it. Like, that is the, the point of the podcast is to, uh, a lot of people don't know when the good time to, like, jump into something is a lot of people wait for that moment and a lot of times it just never comes and a lot of people just have mm-hmm. to make a blind leap mm-hmm. and so i'm interviewing different people uh in different fields like i interviewed my friend uh matt musty who is the drummer for train uh about oh, okay yeah what he was like and then i'm going to interview uh my buddy who owns a restaurant who left his you know managing a different restaurant to start his own and he mm-hmm. started it during the pandemic which is it's a bold move. Bold move. Uh, but he's about to sec- open up a second location. So mm. that's that's what I feel like the point of the podcast is. Is like, you know, shift. Oh, well, well, you know, working job stories. And then shifting gears into that, the unknown and what that was like. So uh, first question, what did you both want to be when you grew up? Wow. Um I mean, for me, it changed so many different times. I mean, I was pretty flighty, I guess. I mean, at first, I wanted to be a priest when I was really young. I had the whole mass memorized. Then I hit really? puberty, and I gave up that dream. And then... Uh, <laughs> Found out some of the other requirements of being a priest. <laughs> yeah. And so then I, I, I really wanted to do play-by-play for uh, the Cleveland Guardians. Okay. I mean, at the time, they were the Indians, but uh, on AM radio, I thought that would be fun just because I loved baseball as a kid so much and baseball cards. But uh, then I realized very quickly, I was like, I can't even watch a full game when I'm enjoying it. Let alone. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life. And then there would be something cool about yeah. having an announcer who just trails off on different. I, I feel like there's clips of that where you could tell it's the end of a boring game. And yeah. they're just like, ah, yeah, like I, I specifically remember changed deodorants uh, recently. Yeah, <laughs> you smell like, different, Bob. Yeah, yeah. Oh, called, yeah. <laughs> I just learned the difference between deodorant and antiperspirant. Yeah. Are you are you hip to this Gold Bond medicated powder? Yeah, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm oh. going all natural. No, the uh, and then I switched to comedy. Like I knew I wanted to be a comedian very young, just because I remember seeing them on Johnny Carson. Yeah, 
And I remember because we'd be at family. My dad's side of the family was very close and very large. And it was always every weekend there was get togethers, poker parties, things like that. And while everybody was playing poker, the kids would be in the living room with maybe an aunt or two watching TV at like midnight. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, oh, these people are making adults laugh. That's what I want to do. I was never interested in like making my peers laugh. I was always like, I'm going to grow up and make a grown-ups laugh, right? And so that's when the, the dream really took hold. Yeah, these guys aren't making fart sounds with their armpits or anything. They're just talking. <laughs> They're just using words. The first comedy I ever saw, stand-up wise, was uh, Carson. It was a, like my parents had videotaped. Like my parents like used to just videotape random shit uh, all the time, and so the first uh, stand-up spot I ever saw was Kevin Meany, where he did the "We oh, Are man. the World." Like he did every impression. And, like, that was just, I was just like, this is awesome. Like, and I mean, that's not your standard stand-up. Like, but it was just, it was so captivating to watch him, like, think. And, like, he had every mannerism from, like, every. Because the We Are the World video was playing all the time on MTV and stuff like that. And so, like, I remember seeing it and seeing Dan Aykroyd in the background for some odd reason. Uh, I remember Kevin Me like, like, you see people like Todd Glass now. And you're like, oh, that's. I think I see the influence of yeah. like, oh, Kevin Meany yeah. was just a, like a maniac. Yeah, so it wasn't. Funny. It was wasn't just bits. It was like, oh, you're just psycho. Yeah, yeah. you are sweating like James Brown <laughs> mm-hmm. thirty seconds into your set. Tell me more about your mother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like that was definitely my first four way. So yeah, mm. the Carson show, and then what? I, it's this. I, I wanted to be same thing. I wanted to be a comic from. I got to watch Johnny Carson <clears throat> when I was in. I remember his kindergarten. You either went in the morning or you went in the afternoon. I went in the afternoon, so my mom would let me stay up late and watch TV. And I remember seeing, like, stand-up comedians. I'm like, they're not in a band? And they're not from a movie? They're just, they get to be on this show and just talk? And then that's it? That's all. There's, like, no other, they didn't have to learn an instrument? Or how do you, how are you getting TV shows or movies? Like, this guy's just talking. That seems like, like, ultimate power, like, in control. And I remember, like, you draw a picture like it's one of those weird fleeting memories, but like drawing a picture in grade school, like what do you want to be when you grow up? I didn't know how to draw a stand up comedian. I remember like just drawing the curtains on the side of the stage and a guy in the middle and the teacher's like, What is that? I'm like, ah it's something on TV. And they're like <laughs> Oh, like a TV star. I'm like, yeah, but it's not that. Like I didn't know the word stand up comedian. I'm like, yeah. No, like it's just a guy and they're like, All right, whatever, you know. Eventually you're dealing with second graders that are kinda of come up with wild shit. But that was it. I wanted to. I wanted to be a stand-up, and then, then that wasn't cool. But I was watching. It was watching Johnny Carson. I remember, whatever Channel Thirty Two was like the early incarnation of like it was like Fox, like Sunday Night Funnies or something. Mm-hmm. There was all the guys that like Bruce Baum and all the eighties headliners, and uh, like I I remember seeing Mitch Hedberg on uh, Rodney Dangerfield's Young Comedian Special. Wow. And that solidified it more because I'm like, oh, that guy's not talking about like his wife or something. Like this guy's just weird. Yeah, and he looks like he doesn't think he's supposed to be there. Like oh, he could do that. I mean, I loved some of that. Um, I mean, I guess I loved all of it, but mm-hmm. you know, because there's there's those times I think earlier in your career where you know you're just the fly on the wall to club yeah. or wherever you're hanging out. So you're you're seeing all kinds of comedy. Well, specific to who that club is booking anyway. Yeah, and. Um, if you're lucky enough, you've got a couple different clubs in your town and you can hang in at all of them. But uh, so 
Wiley's and Dayton used to just bring in all those old school yeah. headliners, right? Like, and then Joker's brought in a mix of the old school headliners, like Uncle Lair, mm-hmm. who's still actually like here we in town st- we this weekend. Like really? Yeah, he's at the caravan. And then, uh, but they'd also bring in uh, Lisa over there. Jokers would also bring in Hedberg, Tosh, you know, Attell, all those yeah. people. And so it was wild. But like young, being very young, I really loved, gravitated towards that weirdo shit. Yeah. Um, when did you, you know. start going to see live comedy? I, I, I performed comedy my fifth grade talent show. Wow. And then comedy was not cool in high school. Because then you get into music, and I wanted yeah. to be all punk rock, and I was started bands. But then I just started comedy when I was 22. Like, I still got back to it. I don't think I saw a live stand-up show until... My move was, I'm like, I'm going to get a job at a comedy club as a waiter or whatever, and I'm going to see what this world's all about. To see yeah. if I'm like... See if I could, like, be a part of it, right? Yeah. And so that's what started me seeing live stand-up comedy shows was I was probably 20 in my early 20s yeah um, when I got that job at Joker's Comedy which is no longer around but uh, and then I just started seeing every comedy show you know after that but uh, um, but I was probably early 20s probably 21 when did you see live comedy for the first time first time I saw the first time I saw live comedy one of my friends from high school looked exactly like Dustin Diamond. Like, exactly like Dustin Diamond. What, y- so, what year was this? Like 2005, he- probably, or 2006. It was after we turned 21. He was... <laughs> Dustin Diamond was performing at Snickers in Fort uh, Wayne. Uh, R.I.P. to that trash heap. But, um, to everything involved in this yeah, every, story. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, it's another one of those so beautiful sentences. We went, we went to go see Dustin Diamond... Uh, at a comedy club and I was just like I I really like I mean even I like I know who the opener was mm-hmm. like I actually worked with him later on in life and like he's a very nice guy he's definitely like a very old school like he's down in like the Florida like he, he mm-hmm. does mostly Florida nowadays yeah but like he was like he was who I liked I was like oh this guy actually like writes jokes Dustin Diamond's just talking about Dipping his nuts and old ladies' mouths and stuff. And I'm just oh like, my hey, this, god! This ain't it for me. You know what? I so, have to change my answer. Yeah, I'm realizing something now. My, I have an aunt, my aunt Mary Ellen, who loves. Uh, she's very religious. You know, she's yeah. like worked for a Catholic school her whole life, just retired. Anyway, she's been coming to see me do stand up from the beginning mm-hmm. when I started telling people about it, and I was very nervous about her because I'm like, she's so Catholic, yeah. but she loves comedy, and. Um, when I was in high school, she took me, I swear, now I'm just, rem- this is the first, if we want to call it stand-up comedy, I guess, we call it a comedy performance. She took me to a church to see Father Guido Sarducci. No <laughs> way. Did, wait. Maybe it wasn't a church. I was going to say, like, yeah, did she think you were going to a comedy show and like, oh, there's this famous priest. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> she took me to see Father, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure it was Father Guido Sarducci uh, who we went and saw. That sounds like a scenario where, like, somebody takes their children to see the movie Ted because it's a teddy bear. Yeah. They're like, oh, a comedy from Father Guido Sarducci. Like, this is just a a fun, 
No, I think my aunt I, knew exactly who. But did, oh, okay. ev- did everybody there know? That's what I wanted. I know. don't like, remember that. Like I just remember being very Neil, young. Neil hamburger type I swear, because she she took me to see, and it was a it was a guy being a priest, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure it was Sarducci. I, I I think he probably did live shows, right? That I, had no, I don't idea. know. So that could be wrong. I mean, but I'm pretty. But that was the first like. Comedy perform like live like comedy performance of just a solo individual performing comedy that I can remember ever seeing. Do you remember like if you went to church like because you want to be a priest was like part of the performance aspect of like a priest would have a zinger in there. Yeah, it was like, it was it was all about yeah, the command of and because uh, my mom tells this story to anybody who will listen. When I was a little kid, asking my brother about what we wanted to be when we grow up. Mm-hmm. And I ask him, and then he asks me, and I say a priest, and he goes, why would you want to be a priest? And I said, because I just see myself up there on that stage. Yeah. And I say, go in peace to love and serve the Lord, and everybody listens to me. <laughs> so I just needed someone to listen to me, and I for wouldn't power, be here today. power, also, because I love <laughs> yeah. God, but for power. But I mean, like, it's, I think even as a kid, I understood, I'm like, what better audience could you have than one that thinks the eternal fate of their soul relies on paying attention to you yeah and also like the early formation of like there's be like different priests and then like oh this is a funny priest yeah everybody well, was the, always be like there's a funny priest visiting bags. yeah we get these old jagoffs up there yeah. like, this one this fucker still wants to talk in latin like a dick mm-hmm. then everybody like oh this guy's young and hip and knows the kids the funny that. priest was always popular sometimes. yeah i definitely feel like anytime we had like a substitute pastor like if the pastor was like out of town mm-hmm. wherever the substitute was that man always brought out like I swear the like the, the sermon that any substitute pastor would give was always footprints in the sand because mm-hmm. that's just the easiest one to like just rattle off and remember yeah um, Christian Freebird yeah <laughs> Christian Freebird <laughs> <laughs> this one makes everybody happy play the hits <laughs> play the hits everybody digs this one <laughs> alright uh, what was your first job ever First job ever, mm-hmm. I was a uh, bag boy at a grocery store when okay. I was a, like maybe freshman in high school. How long, uh, or how sophomore long, in high school, maybe freshman. How long did you have that job? Uh, not just for the summer, probably. Right. Um, yeah, just for the summer. But, oh, my God, North Lane Market in Oakwood, Ohio. Kettering, Oakwood, Ohio. Anyway, I love that job because one day I noticed at the bottom rack of the dairy department, I'm like, this milk has gone bad. It's summertime, right? And I'm like, it's July. I'm like, this milk has gone rancid. So I get down and I look. It's fucking eggnog in July. Is this your eggnog? Oh. This is how I began to love this eggnog. Was your, this is your origin story. Is That's your, my eggnog origin the Marvel story. Marvel Universe. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll never forget that job because I realized you could get eggnog wait, not just in December. But wait a minute, why? You thought it went bad because you looked at it? Because I looked down it. and I'm like, it looks ye- like that's dark oh, yellow. Oh, I, I thought you tasted it and you're like, this milk's bad. <laughs> Actually, it's eggnog. <laughs> now that you called it something else, I love it. Actually, love it's it. really good. Also, who the fuck wants eggnog in July? I mean, outside of this guy, I don't know. Who wants to drink some all-weather paint when it's already 100 <laughs> degrees out? Jesus Christ, you're a maniac. But yeah, I was a, uh, yeah, so I was a grocery bag boy. Which, and I'm judging, I can't, uh, like, okay, well, I'll tell my story then, because it's about eating shit on a first job. My first job, I was a caddy in between seventh and eighth grade, and in in the summer between eighth grade and freshman year. Oh, so you're living that caddy shack life. 
It wasn't anything. It was just, it was like, here's the one place that'll allow child labor. So like, all yeah. right, I'll go for it. And I was always, I was, I'm, t- I'm five, eight now. And I was late to even get to this point. I was tiny. My buddy would get heat stroke if it got over 72 degrees and we would go caddy. They would send him home at whole nine. Cause he's like sweating, passing out. I'm just struggling on the weight. Like the, yeah, absolutely. Like the, the Rodney Dangerfield leather bags with just a, a fishing line for a strap. <laughs> Fuck that stuff. And I was so bad at it that... Because I didn't care about golf. I didn't care about these old assholes. Like a super expensive country club. And I remember one guy had to stop because he was fishing out all the balls he could out of the pond because he wanted free golf balls. Like, oh, that's $40,000 a year to be a member here, you Yeah, putts. buy some balls. Yeah. So I, I was bad, and so they made me a, a four caddy, which is where people would have carts, and I, they would just send me to stand at the end of the hole to point out where the ball went. And then you're just putting me alone in a field. I'm looking at squirrels and airplanes and shit. So I was so bad at that that then they would assign me to carts that had literal red flags off the back of them, and that meant the people in that cart were so old and had like health conditions that they might die. And so that's, I was like the geriatric ball spotter, like for guys that were probably going to have a stroke at some point that summer. And so I realized right away, I'm like standing like a hundred yards down. I'm like, oh, we're going to have to move in for this fella. That's amazing. Yeah. And that job, you just lose half your body weight and sweat. Get, I remember like, well, here's the caddy shack. I'm like, I want to get a ham sandwich and this and that. And they're like, you get the caddy special. You don't get to order what you want. I'm like, this fucking sucks. So did you have ping pong tables in the caddy? There was caddyshack. no Caddyshack. There was just the oh. alley next to where they would drive the golf clubs inside. You're just huffing the, the propane that those things ran off of. But another job, when I worked at a Kmart, to make you feel better, I was making funny for the eggnog thing. I, uh, my job was to take the trash out. We had a Little Caesars that was part of the Kmart. And all the Little Caesars at the end of the night, they, threw, they had to throw it out because you couldn't just give it to people because it's one of those fucked up corporate things. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. so I would hide Little Caesars pizzas under bags of trash and then smuggle it out (laughs) to my car when i was taking it so just just but hey you're a kid that's a pro move yeah trash covered pizza (laughs) (laughs) i thought like i was hustling i thought i had the greatest scam going on stuff like that you really like the pandemic really made me stop and think about the things i used to do Mm. like i loved going to movies when i was younger but i was always broke yeah. So I always pulled like the you know when there's a bucket of popcorn that like the movie before someone threw in the trash. Mm-hmm. You just take it and empty it out and just take it up to the fucking thing and be like, yeah, I need another refill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd always buy a oh, drink wow. because like actual saliva was like involved there. Yeah, yeah. But like with the popcorn, I just felt like, yeah. A month ago, so I was at airport bar and somebody got a soft pretzel that was on like the soft pretzel dangler. Mm-hmm. And there's only like a couple little pieces pulled off of it. And then there's a lady left and a guy was sitting there. I'm like, she's gone, right? You're not with her. She's like, yeah, she's gone. I'm like, I'm taking this pretzel. <laughs> this was after a plague, right? Yeah, it was a month ago. Oh, boy. I mean, up. it's uh, like, think about how many times you do that when you're out eating with friends. These are just friends I've never met yet. That's I just, how I look if that at lady, it. If that lady was like, would you like some of this pretzel? I would have said, yeah. I don't think she sat there and licked it and sneezed on it. Yeah. Have you guys worked service industry? Oh, yeah. I mean, I also caddied for a couple summers, yeah, and that was yeah. a great job. I loved being a four caddy because I could smoke my Salem lights. Like, because <laughs> you could smoke cigs out are, there. Are you, no are you your you. own great aunt? Yes. <laughs> Salem lights? Mildred. <laughs> that was my caddy name was Mildred. Yeah. 
And so, um, you know, I waited tables for over 15 years. Did you ever eat food that people left? Every time yeah. I worked. Always and not only that, I ended up getting another job because of that. I got a job because of the crazy stuff I would eat at work. Wait, well, I was confused. Yeah, well, I, I was working. I got a job at the that. urgent care because well, they saw me so. I was often working. I was working at this place called O'Charlie's. I worked there off and on throughout college, after college, throughout stand up because mm-hmm. it was a job I could just quit whenever I wanted, right? Mm-hmm. If, when stand up would take off, and so at the end of the night, if we had a slow shift, I would eat crazy stuff for money from my coworkers. Like, you know, I'd scrape, like, the, the rib rack pan of spoonfuls of grease or, you know, an onion, like an apple. Is this apple. what you're calling a job? Is this what yeah. you're calling a second well, job? Well, one night I'm at the bar, and there's this guy who was always hanging out at the restaurant bar. And so everybody's paying me money to eat this crazy <laughs> shit. Burns hiring Homer to be his <laughs> yeah. prank monkey. <laughs> Some guy in a 10-gallon hat. And son, you got 10. <laughs> It's on. I, I have a future in eating trash. <laughs> yeah, well, so I'm eating this whatever disgusting thing it was for money. And some guy goes, so you do this all the time for money, huh? And sitting at the bar. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, if it's a slow shift, it's just whatever. You just eat it and that's it. And he goes, take my card. And he gives me his card. He works for the Dayton Dragons, which is the Cincinnati Reds single-A baseball <laughs> minor league affiliate. I was like, what shitty carnival does this guy run? Yes. And minor league baseball is the answer to that question. And so I go to the game. They pay me to be the human garbage disposal. They give me $75. Shut, shut up. No. Shut, shut up, They Ryan. give me $75 and two tickets to the game. Um, In case you want to bring a date. Yeah. So they put me on the – so they're like, okay, between the fifth inning – in the middle of the fifth inning, we'll come out and we'll do the human garbage disposal. I'm like, okay. So they come out, they bring a tray of food, and on the big screen they go, it's time for the human garbage disposal. And so there's three things on this tray that, I, that the, the crowd gets to pick what I have to eat. One of them is a full stick of butter, which right. I was looking at that, and I was like, please don't be the stick of butter. The other one was a whole onion, and the other one was pickled pig's feet. The crowd obviously picks pickled pig's feet. Mm-hmm. So I'm eating the pickled pig's feet on the big screen, the jumbotron. People are, you know, like, ah. People are like, ah. And then this fucking hillbilly guy right behind me. When I'm done, he goes, I love pickled pig's feet. And he just grabs the rest of them and just drops them in his mouth. And the crowd goes bonkers. Did you lose your job? Yes. (laughs) You lost your job. (laughs) (laughs) So this is like a heckler almost... You got yeah, owned, he upstaged you got, me. You got owned by a heckler. Like he a, upstaged me. Because what they don't tell you is pickled pig's feet are like, I don't know if you've ever had them. That's the one and only time I've ever eaten them. They're like very, very chewy. And this guy didn't They're really gross. have teeth, so he just kind of swallowed them, right? He just kind of like took them down. And then uh, the only other time I worked for him, I had to pretended I was an umpire who had the mascot poured itching powder down my pants. I'd tear away pants, and I was scooting on the ground like a dog, stuff like that, in between innings. <laughs> did you? Did somebody come with you to the game? No, no. <laughs> I never had anyone to go with me to that I, stuff. I nibbled a pickles, pickled pig's foot once at a bar called Krabby's in downtown L.A. when I first got there, and that is definitely no longer a bar. And they had, like, the metal slide in the door because it was Skid Row. Like, old Skid Row. OG Skid Row. And they would open it up like, oh, you just want a drink. And then they'd let you in. 
and the beers all had just like price gun stickers on them. Like that's how they kept track. And they had the jar of pickled pig's feet, and we're just the only people in there. It's like, yeah, I'll get one of these. And I watched Bronger take a bite of it. I was with Matt Bronger and Jeff Klinger. Bronger took a bite of it, and he's like trying to be a foodie at the time. He's like, he's got an interesting taste. He's choking it. He's like fighting it. He really, he really wanted to be about it. And I'm like, let me take a little. I got a little corner off of it. Like, fuck this like no not at all it was horrible so yeah they're pretty gross I empathize with you. imagine if like human flesh tasted like pickle i mean that's kind of like how i describe uh, it i mean like there's no reason to be eating I, man imagine if human flesh tasted is already a rough start to a sentence yeah that? also also pickle yeah just chewy and just like you know like that when you I like have my, a st- i like my human meat smoked preferably. you know like a cheap ass steak when you get that fat that just won't chew down right yeah yeah, yeah. it's like all gristle. but pickled flavored oh yeah. good yeah, vinegar rubber. Yeah. What was uh, the worst job you've ever had? Ooh, I man, I remember I worked I worked at a place called West LA Music. I'll throw them under the bus. That place fucking sucked. It was uh, I thought it was gonna be cool because it was like a it was like a guitar center type place. They sold a lot. Mostly it was like pro audio, like studio equipment, but they had guitars and drums and all that. I'm like, oh, I like all this music and I like, or I like instruments and I'll, I'll go work there. But it was the, it was in, and the irony was it's right across the street from where I used to do comedy central voiceover. So it was the best victory to realize I was rolling in to work for 20 minutes in the morning doing voiceover and making more than I'd make in a year at that place in a fucking week. And that's not saying I made a lot of voiceover, but that's how shit the pay was at West LA music. And it was all failed musicians that moved to LA that now worked on commission and sales. So, out-of-work musicians, already dickheads, commission-based, so it's competitive, they were fucking maniacs. People would, like, knock over shit and rage, like, fuck, like, it was fist fights, and I was the shipping guy, and I controlled the warehouse. These guys didn't give a fuck, they would just take stuff, wouldn't tell me, it would go, it was a hopeless job, and that was my office, where just, it was just a closet with a computer and a microwave, so it was also the break room, but there was no, there was one chair. And I remember eating SpaghettiOs out of a can just with the lid up like a hobo. <laughs> I didn't even heat them up. And some one of the guys like, why don't you heat it up? I was like, what's the point? <laughs> and then oh, no. we had like a pizza day like for everybody. And one dude would just like take all the pizza and then hide it in the warehouse for later. But then never come get it. So there was like rotten pizza in different places, the, the warehouse. It, it was bad. It that was is... bad, and uh, I should have known when the guy training me. I'm like, all right, so what are you doing? He's like, yeah, I'm leaving. What are you, are you like, moving? Sure, whatever. Like, just, oh, where, no. are you, where are you moving to? Fuck it. I don't know, Arizona? Well, you don't give a shit. This is how the computer works. I'm out of here. Did not give me two weeks. Gave me three days of training. It was like. What year was this? 2006. How long did you work there? I think I made it less than a year. And then I moved to the closed captioning job with Bronger. Bronger got me a job at the closed captioning place after that. I'm not. I guess I'm not really describing how miserable I was at the time. I would. I would. Would go and I would sleep on a bus bench in front of the place uh, on my break because I was broke, and so I would take the red line train there instead of driving to save gas. Then on break, I wouldn't know what to do, so I just lay on the bus bench in front of the shop. <laughs> <laughs> On Coenga Boulevard. It's no longer there, so good. Fuck them. Oh, the worst job I I had. I, I'd say 
maybe I worked I worked at a title company in Glendale. Uh, I dropped out of college mm-hmm. when I was like 21. A friend of mine graduated. We were in a fraternity together. He wanted to be an actor. So he's like, I'm going to move to L.A. So I, I was like, I'm a theater major. I don't need a fucking theater degree. I'll go with you. I'm going to be famous. I've done four open mics. I'm going to be on The Tonight Show next month. Right? And so I got the job at this title company down down Glendale that was run by Scientologists, which I didn't realize at the time. A tale as old as time. And I made friends with this one guy named Corey who worked there. He was like behind me. And I worked there for, I don't know, maybe a few months. Um, but uh, this dude was really cool. Uh, he was a former, he broke free from Scientology. who's was still working there. They were actually getting ready to build the internet title search department around me. Because they're like, you know how to use the internet and all this kind of stuff. We want to start an internet search thing, blah, 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 where we focus all on that, which is all real estate is now, right? Yeah. And so... I was like, okay. Then one day he keeps telling me, he's like, dude, everybody here is a Scientologist. The boss, she's like number four in charge or some shit, right? And uh, he's like, it's crazy here. Everybody's spying on each other. It's crazy. And I'm like, it was miserable. It was very rigid. And then one day he's like, dude, I got this book in my, I need to give it to you after work. And I was like, okay, you want me to read a book? He's like, no, they want my book. And this job was stressing me out. <laughs> they want my book. Because he's like, I, they know I have this book. I'm not supposed to have it. So I need to give it to you. And I was just like, oh, what? I was like, and I was like getting so stressed out by like just the yeah. the atmosphere of this job that I was. And I was sleeping on a mattress in the corner of an apartment with tapestries blocking it off. My ex-girlfriend would stay up all night with her boyfriend fucking smoking weed in the living room, watching TV. I wasn't sleeping. I was also working like another two jobs. Anyway, I had a mental breakdown shortly after. But like one day they walk up to his desk and they're like, Corey, we need the book. And I'm just kind of like typing. (laughs) And I can hear behind me. And he's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, we need the book. We know you have it. And he's like, I don't have the book. And I'm just typing like, and I kind of look and she goes, we will come to your house. And I'm just like, holy shit, what the? Like, I've never wanted to read a book more in my life. What is this book, right? Yeah. And so then again, nothing really happens. The and essential then Calvin and Hobbes. I never get the book. <laughs> and the secrets that are actually embedded in Calvin. Uh, do you know? No. Uh, just, oh, God. <laughs> that's a it's, joke. That's a joke. I thought to Calvin and Hobbes, but the whole yes. different uh, analysis. Going and on. so then one day we get in the elevator, and this the boss, she hits to go to lunch, right? And she And there's a bunch of us in the elevator. She hits up instead of down. And she had reached the level of Scientology where you're supposed to be a calculator, where you no longer make functional mechanical errors as a human being anymore, oh right? Boy. So she hits the up button instead of down button. Someone goes, did you just hit the up? And she's like, oh, my God, I... I meant to hit the down button. Self-immolation. I meant to hit the down button. And everybody's like, you hit the up button, not the down. And she's like, I hit, I meant to hit the down button. And I'm just like, am I having a fucking mental breakdown? (laughs) (laughs) And so we went to lunch. I came back. And I think that was maybe the last day I ever worked there. Because I was like, this, I'm losing my fucking mind here. And I don't know whatever happened to my buddy, Corey, but hopefully, you know, he got rid of that book or what. So you don't know what the book is. 
I still never found out what uh, the name of the book was. What do we think the book is? What if it was just like, like fucking a million little pieces or something yeah. great? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Hobbit. <laughs> yeah, my guess is it's probably some new age book, like that they didn't want people reading because it would when, poison yeah, their minds. Something that goes against the like the teachings. Celestine prophecy or some shit the like Bible. that, or the it was Bible. Just the Bible. Dude, I had a downstairs neighbor. Was the building manager was a Scientologist, and I remember he was moving. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm getting rid of some furniture. I'm like, I'll go check it out. And he just had like stacks of Dianetics against his wall because he had like, you have to give them to everybody. And mm. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll take maybe that bookcase over there. He's like, do you want this headboard? And he tried to act like, oh, you know, because the ladies love to grab the headboard. I'm like, you've never fucked in your life. Stop <laughs> acting. Stop acting like this, man. <laughs> Fucking weirdo. Goddamn cult. <laughs> oh my god. I also worked at that same time. I was working that Scientology job. I was working the box office at the Ice House in Pasadena. Okay. And um, I was so bad at my job there because I would like sneak off. I'm like, Arsenio's dropping in? Yeah. And I'd run off to go watch Arsenio or Richard. Like if Richard Lewis ever came in, I'd, yeah. I'd fucking love that guy. So I would like sneak off. And my drawer, and they had so many different tickets at the time, like four for two, four for one, five for six. <laughs> and I'm just like, I wasn't paying attention because I was always running off. My drawer was always at least $15, $20 short at the end of each night. So I would have yeah. to go to the ATM in the bar there, which is still there yeah. to this day. And I would have to take out money every time I worked well, I go, to make I the drawer go right. My job. Oh, yeah. I was losing money to work there. <laughs> well, you're buying tickets to see a comedy show. Yeah. So it was, uh, but I mean, that was fun-ish. Yeah. I, I mean, I work at Helium every now and then as security when they need it. So that's, I like being around that atmosphere. I did that. I went to work uh, for Helium pretty much immediately as the pan, like, you know, because Helium was uh, listed as a restaurant like three months into the pandemic. Uh, they opened back keep up. Keep it floating. Yeah. Right. And they were at like half capacity. So I definitely like went there to work. Just because I still wanted to be around comedy, even though I couldn't go out as much. Um, but yeah, I like that atmosphere. Uh, have you guys ever been fired? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was fired. Don't trust a comedian who's never yeah. been fired. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My mom fired me from a job. Your own mother? My own mother. I had a cousin fire me. Yeah. She um, used to be a buyer like a jewelry buyer for Elder Beerman department stores, which if you live in the Midwest yeah. back in the day, you might not know, or you might know them anyway. So she'd fly to New York all the time when I was young and like, she'd come home with like a swatch watch and nobody knew what a swatch watch was at the time. She brought home like a couple swatch watches, one of those swatch watch funds where you can talk in the bottom and in the receiver. Like, and, um, it was great. Like I show up to school with like four swatch watches on at the same time. Oh, and the most popular girl in school started dating my ass because of that. <laughs> the next day, swatch money. The next day I show up with zero swatch watches on and she gives me the ultimatum. If we're going to be dating, you need to be wearing your swatch watches. And so <laughs> this I, is real. This, this is, is real. real. This is 100 percent real. <laughs> and so I am very proud of my young self. I took a stand and I showed up the next day with zero swatch watches on again. But anyway, yeah, so. Uh, she fired me. She got the license from 1928 costume jewelry, which is like really nice fake jewelry. Mm -hmm. And uh, she got the license to sell that privately, like by appointment in people's homes. So I was a 1928 jewelry salesman by appointment. And that I never so sold anything. Yeah, why would you? 
That seems so fucking specific. I actually actually need 1929, so you're gonna have that's, to. Yeah, go. that's almost skirting like MLM type thing. It feels like. No, it definitely is. I mean, like 1928 obviously was name of the company, but like. Oh, I thought it was yeah. just. No, no, no. <laughs> that was a, it, was, it was a big year for jewelry. <laughs> Jesus, Alex, are you not up on your? On no, your, I'm on not your, up on, on your costume brooches. Jewelry, I'm sorry, so, brooches and medallions. The only piece of jewelry things? I sold was to my grandmother. Because she felt bad for me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so my mom's like, this isn't working out. Can you go back to that golf course you were landscaping? And I was mm. like, yeah, I can probably do that. So she fired. And then I got fired from a comedy club waiting tables once or twice because I'd be too busy watching yeah. instead of serving. Right. I, got, I worked at a 31 Flavors for, I think, a day and a half. And it was like my mom's cousin or something was managing. He's going to give you a job. And I went there, and I just I just couldn't get the, a hold of the the – the slow the soft serve like every time somebody's like alright this cone's 79 cents that shit was five bucks the way I made it I would twirl that like just leaning tower of pizza <laughs> and like good luck if you get it out the door without dropping it that's all yours man I don't know what to tell you <laughs> and I just couldn't I just like looking back about like whether I had ADD I was a good student but like I just couldn't I couldn't learn register I just didn't give a shit, and rewritefully, I, I never got fired. I was just like, "Hey, so uh, I'm not done training. Uh, what's my where am I on the schedule this week?" Like, "Oh, you're not actually not on the schedule this week." I think I called for three weeks of them. Like, "Yeah, you're just not on the schedule this week." They wouldn't tell me I was fired, and then I kept the pink shirt. And then somebody else bought the place. Like, we need the shirt back. I'm like, Fuck you, man. We're in the shirt. We need the shirt back. Yeah, that'd be the uniform, the pink thirty. Because they don't want you shirt. coming in there pretending to be. A... Or just they needed it for another employee or something. Yeah, I don't know. But then I got fired from that. Wow. <laughs> I got I got fired from. I delivered like uh, edible arrangements when I first got to LA. It was my first job, <clears throat> and I got fired after like maybe a week and a half of that because I was late to everything. Like I didn't see any priority of a. Ed it was cookies. It wasn't the fruit ones. And I could like, oh, they gotta get these by. They don't get them when they get them. They're cookies shaped like teddy bears and shit. Nobody, <laughs> nobody needs these. Like, they're, they're, this person's in a hospital. Like, where are they going? They'll get. It. They're staying in the hospital. That's where you're buying them the cookies. They'll get them at the end of the day. Yeah. They'll get them whenever. I, I just got the Hollywood. There's a Hollywood sign. There's a, there's a Stan's Donuts. <laughs> there's Watts Towers. Like oh, I was, shit. I was so excited. I was sightseeing, driving around. It's back when you didn't. It wasn't GPS. It was like Thomas Guide driving through all of. Oh that, my like, God, the Thomas yeah, Guide delivery drive with it's, like a, a a giant book of maps for the city L7. Go to L7. Oh, That's I remember the Thomas you know, Guide. Yeah, and so uh, it's funny. I was watching Clueless the other night with Rachel, and like I see him like fighting over the Thomas Guide. I'm like, oh. Part. It's just a little like that oh, was a big moment. Like my stepdad would go get that one at Walmart every year it came out. Oh, he got the updated stuff. Yeah, like every time. So he always knew like where to go. I I mean I remember like you, I'm just calling people. I just got to L.A. Like how do I get here? How do I get there? And Tom Clark. I don't know if you know Tom Clark. Absolute sweetheart of a comedian. Very mm -hmm. funny. But oh, yeah. the nicest guy. Even Tom Clark. He's like, yeah, you know where you're at right now? Are right, you going to take a left? And you're gonna see a Rite Aid, and you're gonna go in there, and you're gonna buy a Thomas guy. <laughs> like, oh, I'm like, all right, okay, man, I get it, I get it, I can't. But then I, I got fired, and the guy wouldn't give me my last check. I'm like, I, I worked for a couple days, and I got like a, a mailed check with an angry letter, like I am just regret, regrettably paying you twenty seven eighty for an inferior job, and I can't believe that you've taken advantage of this company. I'm like, you could have just sent the check, dude. Wow, yeah, you didn't have to like send the. I actually yeah. the best job I ever got fired from. I put in my two weeks notice. I said I'll give you four weeks. 
I'll give you three, four, whatever you need. Because I was working at the container store before they opened their Pasadena location. I was part of the opening crew, and I was a shift leader. So I had to be there like at like 4.45, 5 a.m., a few days a week to unload trucks. I learned how to drive a forklift. It was great. And so I'm like, I'm quitting. Because I'm, I'm, I was moving back to Ohio or something. Some buddies of mine thought that they had an in for some like MTV Rock the Vote comedy thing that we were gonna do. So I'm like, fuck this job. And uh, so <laughs> I gave fuck him my job moments. I always love yeah. And I gave him my notice. The and they job. said, no, we don't accept notice. Your you can your employment ends now. And I told him I was like, you need to know something before you do this because I like you. Before this job, I used to work at a company that fought people's unemployment. Yeah. So we worked, we had, I had clients and I made sure that their employees wouldn't, wouldn't receive unemployment if they didn't deserve it. Right. So I know all the laws about unemployment here in California. So you need to be very careful because you're now allowing me to collect unemployment for as long as I want because I'm giving you my notice, but you're firing me now Mm -hmm. with no cause. And they go, that's our policy. And I was like. You're going to be paying me for a while. And so I quit, moved to Ohio. I collected unemployment for like over a year from those bastards. Holy shit. Why did you warn them? Because I liked them. The container store? I liked the guy, my boss. He's like, I'm sorry, this is just the policy. I have to do it. And I was like, I'm telling you, and that's, I'm going to be but, milking you guys well, now. Well, that's when you you start the milking and be like, by the way, you should know this next time someone wants to give you a yeah. notice. So I don't know if they ever changed their policy or not, but like, I milked them for a while. I had a buddy of mine it's cash the, my it's checks It's called for the me. Singer policy now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. They named it after me. Yeah, I had a buddy of mine deposit my checks for me. It was great. Yeah. Like, I was totally scamming. I mean, that's total fraud. I'm, I'm sure I'm outside the window of... Prosecution. Yeah, no one. If listens. not, Alex yeah. can edit this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this is for this entertainment podcast purposes. This podcast blows for comedic up. purposes. Yeah. For comedic, but yeah, th- these are all gonna get dramatizations. Gonna drop a Rico charge on you. I don't know what that means. I've been watching some. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's state line stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You'll cross lines. You're committing crime. Oh, that's what Rico. So what's the a- what's the anagram? I don't or know. the acronym. Racketeering. Anagram same backwards forwards. Right? No. Anagram? I, anagram. Is like something's the I, same as forward and back. That's one of those things like I try to stay, say it on stage in a part of my set talking about like Bureau of Land Management and the BLM movement. And I'm like, you know, but it's the the initials stand for it. Like I, I never remember the word. <laughs> it's an anagram is like dad. Or race car. Or mom. Yeah, yeah. Race car, right? I think acronym is the acronym is the one that's like this is a brief, these are letters that all yeah, stand for like something. NRA or whatever. If we only had devices in our pockets that we could yeah. look this up. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> TBD. Uh, have you been fired? At, are we supposed to ask you these questions too? No. I figure if you've been doing this podcast, people know the answers. I, I mean, I don't. I, I'm trying to let you guys be the. Well, I just feel like know. rude in conversation. No, it's like. I mean, I've been fired before, like. Uh, I was fired. Shit, I was fired from a comedy club weekend, and I still don't know how or why. Oh yeah, I didn't um, even think about that. Oh, from uh, like performing? Yeah, like I was the opener, and uh, the headliner was just like, "This ain't it." It uh, was the. Cl- it wasn't. It was the headliner, not the club. Yeah, it was definitely the headliner. Yeah, because the club paid me, and they were like, "We're sorry," and then I went back to that comedy club. So I quit. I will tell you weekend. off air. That story yeah. because okay, I, I don't really. They, they're still active in comedy, and I don't really need to. 
Yeah, I'll say on air. I quit halfway through a weekend. I quit. I was hosting at uh, Riddles in Orland Park. And okay. I was like, oh man, it's my first gig at a comedy club, and I'm wearing this leather jacket. And I got on stage, and he was like, nice jacket, faggot. And I was like, I don't need these people to like me. I am not going to do this. I'm yeah. not going to stand in front of these idiots because it was like, oh, the little cool alt scene in Chicago, and everybody's working on these weird bits. And then you just, oh, this is what comedy clubs are still like in places like. I don't care about you people. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to change what I'm doing to make you like me. No, yeah, yeah. that's that's, so my, that's I, not my dream. My car broke down the next day, and I couldn't make it to the club. Yeah, now, I got you flipped. Took, you once. took a stand. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got flipped. I never got fired, but I got cowardly. flipped with the MC. My first feature week ever on the road. Oh, really? I got flipped for at the Atlanta Punchline. I was uh, what's his name? Tom Wilson was headlining. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's his? Oh God! Why can't I remember his name? Drew. Uh, he's so fucking funny. Drew Hastings. No, no, no the sure. host. Uh, anyway, so I'm before I go to this, and I had five clubs that were on my like. This is when you're a real comic. Yeah. Because you've worked these five clubs as a middle act. Um, Punchline was one of them in Atlanta, and so I'm so fucking excited. Uh, I've got like just liquid diarrhea because I'm so nervous about the week, right? That's how my body manifests mm-hmm. anxiety. Yeah. And so, and everybody, all my friends told me before, and like Tom Wilson is like G-rated. Yeah. You got to be clean. And I was like, I don't have 25 minutes, 30 minutes clean. So I took out all the dirt. So I took out all the punchlines from my feature act. Right. And I just, I'm eating I'm taking a bath in my own shit the whole week <laughs> on stage. It is fucking brutal. And the MC was like, he was, uh, he was dirty. Like it was a lot of in the bedroom, in the bathroom shit. Like he yeah. was dirty, and I'm like, it's my job to clean this up and reset the really? slate for Tom. No one ever told me to do that, and Tom never told me to be clean. The club never told me to be clean. It was my buddies who told me like, he's so clean, you got to be clean, and I'm like, I got to be clean. And so I was just eating shit. And so, like, after Friday night shows, they're just, like, before Saturday, the first show Saturday, they, they brought me into the office. They're like, so we're, we're thinking um, we're going to – we forgot to tell you, but this is a co-featuring weekend. So we're going to have Drew – we're going to have you go oh, first, wow. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You they know, at if, least if, soften the blow if, for if, you. Yeah. If that's okay with you. And I go, no, I don't want to do that. I was <laughs> just a glutton for punishment. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to – keep in the middle spot and they're like okay well we're gonna shrink the time so then we started doing the, the time after one of the shows this woman came up to me I was outside smoking just like what the fuck I've made a mistake I'm never gonna be a comic I suck at this this fucking woman goes up to me she goes you know oh the comedian you know we're not as racist as you think we are down here in Atlanta and I look at her and I go oh so what you're telling me is you're racist you're just not as racist as I think you are. And she <laughs> looks at me, she goes, fuck off. <laughs> and that was my only victory the whole weekend. And then I, because in the green room at the old spot, there was a, there was a, in Sharpie, everybody signed the walls. It said, if you can't kill here, get out of the business. And oh. so I just was reading that all weekend as I'm sitting there. Years later, I find out one of my best buddies, Tom Simmons. Yeah. Well, I'm whoever, telling that story. Wrote that he is wrote losing money on a charter boat yeah. business, right? Well, now. Tom Simmons wrote that as a joke because I'm yeah. telling him the story. He goes, "Oh my god, that's so fucking funny! I wrote that be, just to be an asshole." <laughs> 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 
people think it's like the banner going to the boxing ring. They yeah, out. right. Uh, real quick, any, do you guys have any like like real good I quit stories where you know, kind of like the half baked like fuck you, fuck you. I, I never. I was still kind of taught that like no, you get you know, you work hard and like as much as you look back now of like oh that was shit pay and everything like. No, I I kind of I always gave two weeks, you know. I always stayed at jobs that even if they're shitty jobs, I found something to like about them. So I never like did a massive. Well, yeah, you saw my act and you actually commented on it. Like I stayed at jobs until the jobs quit existing. Yeah, yeah. Because I was at Sam Goody till they closed, Blockbuster till they closed, and I left Sears. And honestly, that Sears I worked at still open. I think they still call themselves Sears. Yeah. But because it's privately owned, but it's like a franchise. But I don't think Sears even like exists anymore. No, you're like the guy at the the racetrack or the horse track, like, yeah. oh, he's back again. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> you called me the Grim Reaper of capitalism. Yeah, uh, man. I'm saying, like, I want to send you into businesses I don't like. I want to send you the to closer. Lo- yeah, mm-hmm. I want. The, 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 yeah, I want to send you into like um, Wells Fargo. Yeah. I want to send you into Spirit Airlines, and I want to go in there and like do your magic, man. Take I don't think I ever did that either. I. I never had like a moment where I was like some triumphant like take a shit on your desk man like you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. or like cuz I was kind of the same way I mean I was had yeah. a job ever since I was a little kid yeah and I liked being able to have money even if it was just mm-hmm. enough to get by mm-hmm. um and I like when I worked at O'Charlie's on and off for 15 years I always left in really good terms because I knew I'm like if shit hits the fan I'm coming back oh, here and yeah, waiting tables right and I did many times I would go back there and go get my job back um, because the comedy didn't take off the way I thought it was going to right there was a couple times where I think I was like daring someone to fire me like I remember the, the that music store where I like it wasn't even a warehouse it was like the, a small hallway that they were using to keep like giant keyboards and all this shit and it was crammed it was an absolute fire hazard it was always locked like all these things they, they would get a heads up from the county like oh fire marshal's coming so they could unlock and make everything appear safe and there was no room and the boss was like well you just gotta make room I'm like that's not how physics work like you know you can't you know change these things you can't change the physical properties of these boxes and he's back there and there's a box laying flat on a shelf and he's like well and he just turns it sideways on the shelf. I'm like, do you think you change the physical properties of the universe by moving that up there? <laughs> and I said it in front of employees, like, fucking, dude, please fire me. Like, I, I, I wouldn't quit, but I'm like, I did hang a sign over that little warehouse that said, abandon all hope, ye who enter. And, like, they kept taking it down. I kept putting it up. I'm like, it's my warehouse. Sign stays up. Yeah, I've definitely had those moments where I like it's like you know they talk about it in Jurassic Park where the Velociraptor like keeps checking to see if the fence is like electrified. Like I keep yeah. trying to find that bound, like and see what I can say yeah. or whatnot. Um, I'm gonna move this line. A yeah, I'm gonna. Further. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep saying shit. Um, but yeah, I definitely had those moments. I've never had like an I quit. I quit. I worked at Enterprise Rent a Car. In, in at the Indianapolis airport when I first moved to Indianapolis. And it was such a terrible job because you didn't talk to anybody. I was cleaning cars. Mm-hmm. 
And there was just like a fleet of us because it's the biggest enterprise rental car in the state. Mm -hmm. And so you were supposed to clean 60 cars a shift. And everybody else was nimble like a cat. And it's not like they gave me SUVs to clean out. They're like, here, clean out this Toyota Yaris. Uh, get all up in there in their nooks and crannies. And I'm just like... And why, so they had this why thing... Why you wear this Nissan Versa? Exactly. So they had this thing where, like, if you found a gun or drugs in the car, you got to go home for the day. Like, because you did such a good job... And because so what I do always drugs and shoot a gun. And so what I do <laughs> wait, is wait, I would just wait, wait, wait. Why did you, yeah you got to go home for the day because you did such a good job? Yeah, like they, they pay you, you with the dogs that work pay, at the airport. <laughs> they'd pay you like for the whole shift, but you were just done for the day because they were just like you. You know, you're this is what you. So what I do is I would just take a small amount of the weed I always had. And I would just put it in like different bags, and I would just put it in the car, and I'd be like, "I found drugs. I got to go home for the day." I do uh, not understand the logic behind this policy at all. I, Is it I, because they thought like maybe you might be traumatized by the experience of finding such a thing? I just think they wanted it as an incentive to like do a good job. <gasps> oh, to like really get in there. to really get in there. Meanwhile, who's cleaning cars at Enterprise? People who do drugs. Like, right, yeah, I'll 100%. sacrifice. I'll sacrifice a pinch for. But like, off. you know, I like talking and I like like having conversations. So yeah. like, fucking being by myself. Also, it was cold. Like it was winter, and you're outside, mm -hmm. and you're just like, you like the first thing you do, you get in the car, blast the heat, and then you blast the radio as loud as you could because you weren't in the car half the time. You were mm -hmm. outside of it, like vacuuming and all this other shit, and people would just. You know, just buy a bunch of food and just fucking throw it everywhere. And all I was gonna say, shit. what's the nastiest shit you found in a car? Oh, puke! Just a lot of vomit. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, and it's not like done, it's not like. But the smell. The, oh, yeah, it's yeah. not like the, the Uber. <laughs> the Uber rule where like you had to pay a hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Like they were just like, nope, that's the cleaners. <laughs> and the the worst thing I ever did was like, you'd have to like drive the car down a winding road. Because the, the, like, the clean lot was, like, away, away from the terminal and where the cars were parked. So you'd have to, like, drive the car around this winding road. And one of it was, like, winter. And the cars would be soaking wet because you'd have to wash them. Yeah. And, man, I hit a t turn too sharp. And I just slid straight into the side and, like, fucking ripped a, <laughs> ripped a car, ripped the tire off the axle. Oh, wow. And then I limped into the garage, and I was like, well, I'm done, and I just never went back. <laughs> Guys, I found some weed in this car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't look for anything else wrong. It was it. in the tire. I had to get into the tire to find it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the weed in the car was in my pocket uh, and in my system, so... This episode of The Shift is brought to you by Weed Maps. Weed Maps, the number one app for finding marijuana dispensaries wherever you are. Are you in a state and you want to know where you can get that kind, bud? Then use Weed Maps. They will show you different dispensaries' menus, what their specials are, and how to get there. So again, if you're looking for to get higher than the fucking Smoky Mountains, then fucking use Weed Maps. Weed maps. Uh, when did you guys make the decision to officially swift gear or shift gears and focus a hundred percent on comedy? 
Well, I think um, the last time I quit the restaurant, um, I was also I was I was working at the restaurant, but then I also was a substitute. I got my substitute teacher license after I graduated college. So, because I had a creative writing degree, so I was like, I, I'll get this license. A buddy of mine who I went to, uh, who I worked at the restaurant with, was a teacher at this school. So I would only sub at this one particular school, like twice. I'd done it twice. And then Friday night, I'm at my uh, restaurant gig, and I get a cell phone call from the principal of the school. And so I go into the walk-in cooler, and I take the call, and she offers me the full-time job at the school. So I take it, um, and then I worked there the rest of the year, and then they offered me the job the next, at the end of the year, they're like, we want to give you the full-time job next year. I was one day away from, like, earning my teaching certificate Mm -hmm. from, like, I guess time served or Mm -hmm. days worked, and I said no. And I think that was the moment I knew that I'm going full, full full-time. What was that like? What was that, like? I mean, I had tried previously yeah. before that, and I could not sustain myself, and I'd always have to go back. Because um, at the time, I'd worked it out to where I had fanned out from the Midwest to the point where I was I was emceeing once a month at the Columbus Funny Bone, once in Dayton at Joker's. Um, I was working Wiley's a little bit. I'd MC, I had like three MC weeks a month, and then maybe one feature week every two months somewhere and then doing shitty one-nighters like comedy zones and sobel gigs and things like that yeah and so and that could sustain me and i got you know and i was like but then once i moved up to featuring full-time it was much more difficult because you weren't getting paid as often because it was less work right so that's when i gave up the teaching gig and i was like oh shit i have to make this work somehow and so I would do random stuff, and I still will do random stuff to this day. Um, I think to make we need money. to bring back the human garbage disposal. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> but I was probably I was featuring on a pretty somewhat regular basis. I mean, I had 30 minutes that was pretty clean and pretty tested. Um, when I finally said I'm done with all this, I'll. I'll I'll just be broke as fuck before right. I go back to work. Yeah. Oh, I uh, <laughs> think it was 2009. <clears throat> I was doing the closed captioning gig. Bronger got me that job. He had recently like quit finally. <clears throat> and it wasn't a bad job. It wasn't a bad hourly rate. We got insurance. And it was it, that's the scariest thing in the world. It's like, oh, I could be okay here. Because like, Oh, it's when there's a threat. Like, this job sucks, so i got to try extra hard at all this other stuff. And I sat there, and I watched all those people that were working there. Like, <clears throat> it's, it was L.A., so everybody moved. They were all from somewhere else, and they all moved to L.A. to do something else. And it was, like, a lot of writers and everything. So you saw people that moved there to write for TV or write scripts for movies now writing out the words for <clears throat> The Bachelorette or something, like writing, <clears throat> you know, transcribing reality TV and, like, just watch the compromise of their dreams right there. And I remember I had enough <clears throat> credits and I was I just talked to my agent at the time. I'm like, I'm going to quit my job. I need you to book me on anything that's available because I was so used to. That's why I never worked service industry. Or anything. I like knowing like I'm going to make this much money this week. Even if it's not a lot, I'll budget around this amount of money. 
I never wanted to leave it up to like, maybe I'll make this much a shift, but maybe I'll make this much a shift. Like I couldn't handle that. And so for as much as like, this is shit I'm sorting out with my life now about like being afraid of making large choices in life. Like I did the thing to move to LA and try and be a comedian. And then that worked. I'm like, this is the next scariest thing is quitting a job where I was making okay money for having no qualifications in the world whatsoever. Uh, I'm like, all right. I told my agent, like, uh, book me whatever you got, like whatever's going on. I'll, I'll figure that out. And so that was, and because I, but also I was lucky enough to have an agent that's like, all right, yeah, you, you, you moved to LA, you did comedy in like at that point, 2009, I would have been doing it for 10 years. So I had the skills to do it. I just want, I needed the credits that LA could provide. Right. So I went out and I remember one of the first weekends was at like uh, the whatever comedy, I don't know what club was in Alpharetta, Georgia. It was attached to some go-karts tracks. Wow, I've never so been there. I first met Dave Stone and he's featuring and like he's from Georgia. He, he crushes and I just ate shit. I bombed and I would just ride go-karts drunk and sad after the shows every night. Just slow. Just because like, <laughs> I, I, I was like, what have I done? I don't, the idea well, maybe of I'm you, not ready for this. The idea of you just going slower in a, in a go kart than everybody else. Well, they were closed, like so they would just let me drive them. Like I, I'm like, oh, I want to do the go karts now. Like all right, I'm just like oh. yeah, we'll let the Make a Wish kid do this. Yeah, I just uh, yeah. So that was I was like, what have I done? And it was it was rough because then you know featuring is the best time you'll ever have in comedy. Oh, it's 100%. such a it's the best it's such time. a sweet spot. It's you don't have to get the crowd excited you don't have to do it all you just surprise them by being like oh this guy's funny too and that was uh yeah so i went to headliner i'm like man i i did not have the chops needed to headline like i have really long stories that don't have laughs and spots that i'm like oh these people just came out they don't know who the fuck i am there's like the like yeah we got free tickets to a comedy club crowd and i was, yeah, that's, I was bombing a lot that's honestly i mean that's the one thing that a lot of people don't talk about is like when you move up to headliner, you're the free ticket headliner. Yeah, uh, like that. That's that middle part between featuring and where you guys are. Uh, we're like you're just the like and like I'm starting to get there. Like I'm headlining the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase. Yeah, and you know the owner was like, we're gonna you know we're gonna we're gonna we want you to headline, and I was just like, I'm not a draw like at all. Yeah, and they're like, "Well, you know, we'll just give out, we'll no, just pay the, for the room." Yeah, the drink specials are the drug. I was like, "Cool, I, I, I'm cool with that," and like, hopefully, you make fans there. Like, that's you know, always the dream is like you make a couple fans, and then next time you come, they bring their friends, and then it yeah. just webs up from there. And so. it's and it's that like compromise of like, well, I want to make fans, mm-hmm. but do I want to compromise what I want to do for comedy? to get the free ticket right. people who just came to get shit faced on like dollar pictures. Like you gotta, you gotta really gotta monitor yourself to make sure you're not watering down your own comedy because you'd rather feel liked than feel like, and it's not always easy. Yourself. No, you know, it's like, all right, here's a couple of the dirty jokes, but now yeah. you trust me. Like it's, it's strategy. Cause like, like, I feel yeah. like you can tell like, cause they're always the guys that are like, well, I got dragged here. It's yeah. the arm cross guys. Like that they're just like, Well, do it. Wife says we don't do enough things to Dance. Dance for <laughs> me. Um, my first exposure to you 
uh, was on the John Oliver stand-up show. Oh, man, I remember that one. And, like, in that show, you specifically talk about how you're making enough money now to where you have oh, to yeah. tell yourself, like, um, like you were talking about buying C.C. DeVille's actual guitar, and then you go, <laughs> or actually, maybe I should fix the broken tooth in my face. Yeah, yeah. And I just... Go to the dentist. I, I honestly, like, that... That lo- that whole idea right there is like where I'm at because like I'm currently like I have a day job, but I have insurance. Like that's why yeah. I only. But like the comedy is like I'm I'm kind of like getting to a point where like I'm making enough money to where like I could actually like do this, mm-hmm. and so I'm like using that money to not be responsible. As yeah, best, but like because you never had any money in the first place right. when you first get money, like nobody's gonna be like let's uh, let's really. Get things fixed in order. It's like no, I I yeah. did. I've been busting my ass this whole time. Right. I want some fun shit. I did. Right. When I, I, the thing I did do, I had paid off student loans and I paid off credit card debt, only because, fuck those, right vultures. Like it's like yeah. reverse retirement. You you know people like yeah. they take all the money they make working their job so they can enjoy their lives later. I feel like, for so many of us, it's like oh you finally start making money so you're like. I'm enjoying this right now. Yeah, and there's no guarantee that later is going to be. A thing. Yeah, because do we ever thing. really retire? Right? right. I mean, it's like the that's the ultimate question. Like, I mean, it'd be nice, maybe, but no. do you ever really want to start or stop doing shows ever? I mean, the answer is probably no for so many. People of have asked me, like, especially with like what's going on lately. Like, people are like, uh, like, oh, don't you think it's sad that like Bob Saget died in the hotel room like after a show? And I go. No, that's probably how I'm going to die. And he was probably in a real nice hotel. Yeah, he was in a great hotel. <laughs> this, he, that's probably like a nice hotel. He bashed his head in on like a Turkish, you know, like tile yeah. or something. Yeah, you I've, definitely had to have a key card to use the elevator that, in that uh, hotel. That, <laughs> that Jason Isbell song, Super 8, have you heard that? Mm. And it's all about being a musician. Like its whole chorus is I don't want to die in a Super 8 motel. Kind of oh, like, no. yeah, I mean, kind of him talking about why he's not or singing about why he's not. Party is that like, about oh, the just, band? That's about like I mean I think that's like a direct reference to like what is it Danko or Richard Manuel like from the band how like died, like killed himself in like a Super Eight. Oh, I, this is just about like partying and a girl from a show came by, but then the yeah. boyfriend's outside and wanting to beat kick the shit out of him and like yeah oh that, this life is not glamorous like the stories about it are very romantic yeah but living it for a little while is fun. But I don't want to. I don't want to be the fucking party dude. I'm 45. I think that shit. Like, wait, we we went and had drinks last night. But like, I, st- not- I still, I still get, I still get into it. I, I'm still like a fucking like moth to a bug zapper at night. I'm like, what's going on over here? What are yeah, these, yeah. What are, what are you no, we had to? fun last night, but we didn't do it like. That's I mean, not remember party. years. The last time we, we I really partied with yeah. you. I was taking a shit in a yard in uh, Los Feliz. Well, yeah, was uh, after, after a, a was concert, Dwight Yoakam concert. But that was that was crazy. But that <laughs> lost, was lost old Ryan Singer <laughs> fell, fell asleep in uh, you know, pink Cadillac does that to people. <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, but anyway, but like that's not like the life anymore. No, and you talk about like retirement. I tell people like I'm retired now. Not that I quit. It's like, oh, you know, when you retire, you have to have a hobby to keep yourself from going crazy. Well, comedy's already that thing. Like the thing I want to do and get good at, that's still the thing. 
it just is also makes me money. Cool. I was doing it for free before. I might have to do it for free again in the future. This is just what I'm going to be doing. I love it that much. So, and then my free time is my free time, you know? Like everybody right. says, you don't get paid to do comedy. You get paid to travel. Yeah, I mean, for people listening and, like, wondering about, like, when do you make that jump? I think, like you referenced it earlier, there's no, like... There's no like lightning bolt that's gonna in God's voice isn't gonna come from the sky. You just have to, you have to decide what is really important to you, as far as having like like you said, like at the time when I really went full time and went for it, I also had paid off my credit card debt, yeah. my college loans. I was just like, you know what, fuck it, I'm never paying these back, <laughs> especially after 2008 happened, uh -huh. and so I'm just like, I'm never gonna pay my college loans back, but. Um, you just have to like figure out what you need to not go crazy as a person, I think. And if that means getting out of debt, having a certain amount of money saved, or whatever else, yeah, that's what you have to figure out what your own parameter is. You got to have your brains in order. Yes. Yeah, handle it. And also, like I, you know, I've I have manager and agent. I have that team, and that's one of those. My manager put it recently. He's like, he's like, I'm gonna grow your business by ten percent because that's how much you pay me. And so you have to look. That's at That's cool. You, yeah, you have to look at it that way. Like, are you willing to? Give somebody 10% of the money if you think they're going to do a job that makes you grow by 10% every year. I'm like, all right, that's, I never thought about the math of that. Of like, but an no. agent, I don't have the organizational skills to sit in email clubs and be like, oh, I should get this guy, and then also route them together if you're doing one-nighters. Like, that's definitely worth 10% of what I'm going to make from an agent to sit there and Yeah, that's the hardest that. part of this business uh -huh. because I've, been, I've never had a booking agent. So for me, that's the part that's probably the most that's ground me down the most, mm -hmm. especially after the pandemic when there's a whole reboot on everything and you don't know who's doing what and who's yeah. booking. Yeah, where. dude, that but, wiped the slate clean, especially but, on independent producers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, but the the flip side of that is you get to keep all that money. Yeah, but yeah, I say just go for it if you really feel like you'll know when the time's right for yourself. Right. Um, what do you think the hardest part was about this doing, do, like making that jump emotionally? Just like, what did you, the number one thing where you just like, you have to watch this or you, you might capsize. It's the loneliness, 100%. And because once you start going full time, you never get to see your friends again. I mean, in a perfect world where you and your friends who you come up with are successful, you just don't get to hang out anymore right. because yeah. you're all in different cities now all the time. Yeah, like this, what, what's going on this weekend with us? Like, this is a dream scenario where we're like, all of us are in the same town at the same time. Yeah. And that rarely happens, but when it does, you know. Uh, but I think, like, if you got married and had kids and did that life, I don't think those people see all their friends. No, and yeah. in fact, because either, of, like, so. how uh, I've always said that because of how comedians operate, we're always the vacation for, like, some of our friends. We're like, well, I know yeah. Kyle's not doing. I know Alex is not doing shit. Yeah. Like you know, he's a comedian, so like, I, I'm fuck my family for a day. I want to go hang out. Yeah. But that's mentioning it as a vacation. That's one of the hardest things is not treating every weekend as a vacation. Right. You're already going to work at nights, and so your energy's going to be up at midnight. You're not going to be ready to go to bed. People if, if are around you. If you get a good show, they want to party with yeah. you, and they're going to the club's going to give you drinks. People are going to buy you drinks, invite you to do stuff. If you had a bad show, you're going to be sad. So you're going to drink and you're going to try and forget about that because you're awake. You probably had coffee at 10 p.m. for a late show. I remember one time like, I had a bad show in like fucking like some weird bay town in Michigan on my birthday. And I was 
in a hotel by myself and I had just turned like 33 which was like I was already like fucked up about because like mm-hmm. that's the year like fucking people die you know what I'm saying so like I was already like I thought it was uh, just Jesus God. otherwise it's 27 uh, well no Farley Belushi right. 33 and 27 are the two years oh. yeah so like I was already like ah oh, fuck yeah but yeah definitely that yeah taking care of yourself mentally uh, mm-hmm. is a big Part of it, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. What was the question? What's the hardest uh, part? Uh, like oh, yeah. emotionally, yeah, just, I think yeah. it's dealing with. For me, it's Keep dealing with the isolation because I will lock in to isolation. Like when the pandemic happened, I was like, I can fucking do this. Yeah, I can never go anywhere ever again. And but it's like, so for me, it's the isolation and dealing with that emotionally and the constant traveling and being by yourself. That's the, that was the hardest part for me to like learn how to figure out yeah. yeah my house became uh during the pandemic because i had like two roommates that were also comics we became the house where like people would venture out for the first time mm. because we always had like game nights and shit like that yeah like during like you know and everyone's just like i'm feeling comfortable like going out and i like can we come hang out and we're like yeah i don't care just if you're feeling sick, don't come over here. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it was still very new. And, like, some of the people I was hanging out with were like, this isn't a fucking thing. And yeah. I'm just like, well, I'm pretty sure But it's let's a thing. wash our hands. Right, let's, exactly. Don't touch my doorknobs. All right. Uh, what's been your favorite moment so far as you've have you made the jump? Doing this podcast. That's so condescending <laughs> and just... <laughs> I think, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's Sorry, too I difficult to pinpoint. It's, <laughs> it's too go. difficult to pinpoint one moment. Mm-hmm. I would say, like the best moment to experience, and these hopefully are many moments uh, when you pursue your dream, whatever that dream is. It's when your, it's when your heroes become your peers, become your friends, right? And like th- that to me is like the ultimate progression of the realization of a dream. It is, yeah. I like that. I mean, that's how I feel. So, I mean, you know. Yeah. When I met you, I was, like, starstruck. And I met you years and years ago. And, like, I got to open up for you. You're, like, the first big comic I ever opened up for. And, like, we became friends. And, like, uh, just, you know, you've always come back. And, like, you your, know, Your now, star is rising. Mine is plateauing. Shut nice up. To... Shut up, Kyle. <laughs> But and then you did my show, and, and my star's just... been behind a cloud this whole time. <laughs> You're just a shining star that only certain people can see. I guess some people are like, "Is that a star or is that the ISS?" <laughs> 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 Ryan's an international flight going across the sky. <laughs> Sometimes you see him, you're like, "I don't want yeah. to be." Yeah, your star is just—I saw something out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what the fuck it was. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, I mean, getting to hang out with you guys, that's my favorite part about comedy. Like, you know, doing shows, that's just the job part of it. Mm. I just really like the hang and all that other stuff. And also seeing, I'm still a huge fucking nerd about comedy. Yeah. So like, watching shows, and it's been nice because you've watched almost every show this weekend. There are some comics that are just like, I'm going in the back to fucking chain smoke. No, I don't understand not watching the show. I don't understand not watching the comics that are up before you and being like, oh, they said this that way, and that's similar to mine, so I won't do that in my set. Or they have a whole chunk about this, so I'm not going to step on that same topic because then that just makes a better show. Right. Like, I that that one, 
I don't understand. And if I see like, okay, somebody's kind of doing the same set the whole weekend, all right, I might kick it back in the green room and like work right. on some stuff. But I've always got like half a ear trying to listen to the show and see like, oh, this table over here is going to be shitty, so I got to kind of get that prepare for that. That never made sense to not watch the comics before you. Yeah. That, like that doesn't make sense to me. All right, fellas. Well, any uh, any plugs? Any uh, any dates you got coming up? Uh, this should be coming out uh, in August. So, oh, um, RyanSingerComedy.com's got all my dates. I'm on the road pretty much most of August, um, and then uh, hopefully soon after that, I'll be announcing the release of. I don't know why it took me so long to film a comedy hour. Mm-hmm. I never put out an hour on video. Um, so hopefully that'll be out later this, at the end of the summer, or early fall, um, which I'm excited about. Where are you going through? Uh, I'm going through Illinois, St. Louis, Chicago. No, I meant like uh, video wise. Like who, who are you? Oh, I have no idea. It might, who knows? It might be self released. It might be somebody else. I don't know okay. yet. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. And then social media, like, uh, uh, Rising, R Y S I N G. Gotcha. Got just kylekanane.com has got all the fixings. I'm just on the road. He is a road boy nowadays. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember where, but he's a like, road boy. I, think I got a lot of Texas coming up. I think I got some stuff in the Bay Area. Uh, but yeah, just go. I use Bands in Towns pretty good for following. Mm-hmm. I, like, like, oh, you get an email. Hey, this band that you like and similar or band similar to it. Is playing near you and you get a reminder so maybe I'm, it will I'm be sponsored there. by bandsintown.com man I, it's just it's been the most I, I think it's pretty effective so that's the one i like to tell people just follow me on that and that's a good way to find out because i don't that's it's like your own mailing list but yeah, yeah. it helps out so, you but can follow that's, ryan mm-hmm. singer and kyle canane and uh, 311 on bandsintown.com i'll come up if 311's come yeah. i come up as a similar artist yeah 100%. yeah absolutely um and just i think people should remember that when they when they really go for it, just the road changes a man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fuck off. I'm going to eat. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I love you both so much. Uh, I can't wait to see ass. you guys uh, out there again on the road. And uh, watch you guys continue to follow and crush your dreams. So for Ryan Singer and Kyle Kinane, I've been Alex Price, and this has been The Shift. Follow your dreams, fuckheads. I love ya. Bye. The Shift was brought to you by Alex Price. Produced and engineered by Patrick Murray. All the music made by Patrick Murray, yeah. If you like this podcast episode, then like and subscribe. All the places that you like to listen to, all the podcasts that you listen to. Hell yeah, brother. Hit that like button. Oh yeah. Sponsored by Weed Maps. Mm-hmm.